0: God has given marriages. That it won't be this painful thing for you to just wait until you're married. No, you make that decision day in and day out because what he has in store for you is greater than anything else you can find around you. If you're married yet today, I really trust that the beauty of sex will revitalize and and almost refocus you and your passion for your spouse. That's why we're jumping into the Song of Solomon. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that we can be and learn from your word. I thank you, Jesus, that you wanna be involved in every aspect of our lives and we break lies down that says only this is important. No, God, you created everything. You created every single thing, every single detail of who we are and therefore everything's important to you. I thank you that we can come to your scripture and look for guidance and truth to navigate these aspects in our lives. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So, because this is a poem, I'm going to do my best to do it in my most Shakespeare voice that I can. All right. So, how do you follow this? You enjoy it. You listen. You pay attention. I know for some of us, paying attention longer than like two minutes is like heavy difficult. But think of this, girls, like just an old school Taylor Swift song. Just so much deeper and richer. Guys, think of it like an old-school Taylor Swift song. <laughs> I know you listen to Taylor Swift, guys. Follow the flow and the beauty and the intentionality of this relationship. All right, so let's go. Are you ready to follow? Song of Songs, Chapter 4. Behold... You are my beautiful. My love, behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves behind the veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats leaping down the slopes of Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of shorn ewes that have come up from the washing, all of which bear twins, and no one among them has lost its young. Okay, so something important I need to tell you. (laughs) Something important I need to tell you. If you're going to try and visualize what you're hearing, you're going to come up and see something very weird. Okay. So what's important about ancient Jewish culture, they weren't necessarily visual people. They communicated in value. So it's like me telling Anshin, Anshin, you're as valuable to me as six bitcoins. Okay. Now do I see her as Bitcoin? No, you get it. So what this guy's saying is, he's complimenting this woman's teeth and saying your teeth are like freshly shaven lambs, white as snow. Now this is profound because 2000 years ago, there weren't dentists, there weren't Colgate. So if you found a woman with white teeth and everyone there, no gap, you found a good thing. She's got all of them, and he loves that. (laughs) All right, so obviously livestock in that culture meant wealth. Now, this is the next generation of livestock, so we see its wealth and its value. All right, so pay attention to the value, not necessarily try and picture what this woman looks like. (laughs) And now a lot of you are going, whew, okay, all right. Verse three, your lips are like scarlet thread and your mouth is lovely. Your cheeks are like the half of a pomegranate behind your veil. Your neck is like the Tower of David built in rows of stone. On it hung a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of gazelles that braze among the lilies. Until the, until the day breathes and the shadow flees, I will go away to the mountain of Myrrh and the hill of Frankincense. Now things are getting really steamy. Verse seven, you are all together beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. Come with me from Lebanon. My bride, come with me from Lebanon. Depart from the peak of Amana, from the peak of Sunir and Hermon, from the dens of lions, from the mountains of leopards. You've captivated my heart, my sister, my bride. You've captivated my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. No Taylor Swift song is this romantic. (laughs) Verse 10. How beautiful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much better is your love than wine and other fragrances of your oils than any spice. Your lips, ooh, it gets steamy now, You ready. Your lips drip nectar, my bride. Honey and milk are under your tongue. The fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. A garden is locked, is my sister. My bride is spring locked, a fountain sealed. Your shoots are an orchard of pomegranates with all the choicest fruits, with henna and nard, nard and saffron, calamus, cinnamon, with all trees of frankincense and aloes, with all choice spices. Verse 15, a garden fountain, a well of living water, flowing streams from Lebanon, awake north wind and come, O south wind, blow upon my garden, let its spices flow to get in the garden of love. Let my beloved come to his garden and eat its choicest fruits. This is the word of the Lord. So, three things we're going to look at today. Tonight's sermon title is called Great Sex. So, great sex is something we need to understand. There's something we need to understand about it. There's something that, that we should be passionate about. And then the third thing we're going to look at is something to fight for. So, I'm going to start with something to understand. Currently in modern world where you and I live today, there are three predominant predominant worldviews about sex. Number one, sex is just a physical activity. It's like running or jogging or cycling or eating. When you're hungry, you eat. It's been degraded to just this physical thing. It's like organizing um, a hike with a friend. Hey, let's meet up there. We do it. We go hike lacquer. It's been diluted to just being this physical thing. You and me, we've got a, okay, let's, uh, it's like a workout session with your buddy. That's one worldview we find, especially in a progressive and a liberal mindset. We, there's nothing to this, and ultimately that actually comes from Greek mythology where the Greeks used to believe that the spiritual realm was the ultimate and what you and I do in the natural doesn't really matter. So not so new, I guess, right. Every idea that currently floats around the world is borrowed from something in the past. Sorry for you that you thought you were unique and you found the Zen way of life. It's probably rooted in Hinduism. Anyway, moving on. So some people believe that there's a worldview that says sex is just something you do with a friend. There's nothing more to it. The second worldview you would get is sex is everything. Like if you haven't had sex before, you're half a human being. You, you, you have never experienced the best thing in the world. Like sex, is, it's a place where you can express yourself and find yourself. Sexuality has become, especially in the last five to 10 years, also a place that becomes your identity. Like it's your sexuality determines who you are. So therefore, sex is everything. I wake up and I think sex. I go to bed and I think sex. Like it's everything. The third worldview that we get is sex is nothing. Why? Because it's dirty. It's filthy. See, sir. We don't talk about sex in this house. No. We take the rug and we put it on the rug with all the other issues we don't want to touch and we close the rug again. No, we don't talk about sex. No. Go figure it out by yourself. Don't ask me these questions. It's dirty. Only need sex to make kids. Now these are some of the, historically or the three worldviews that we just find, and even today it's still prevalent. Now, you probably grew up with one of these ideas about sex, depending on what your upbringing looked like. But for you and I, to know what sex is, we need to know what the Bible says about it, because the Bible's got a lot to say about it. The Bible teaches that sex is very good, Genesis 1 verse 31 why would God create something and give it to marriage if it wasn't good, if it wasn't beautiful, if it wasn't holy? If it wasn't, and God only gives good things. Remember when God created the world and every day he said, what did he say when he finished making the mountains? What did he say? It is? So everything God, that, everything God created was good, including sex. So therefore this kind of goes against the idea that sex is dirty and it's filthy and it's meant for, um, only for kids and like never talk about it. Sex is very good because it's a gift from God. Hollywood did not think out sex. Hugh Hefner did not think out sex. Playboy is not the origin of sex. God is. So that kind of trumps that sex is nothing. And quite frankly, if you're just going to read this chapter again, you'll see there's a lot of passion when, it, when it's to do with Sex. In fact, the Bible says so much about sex, it will shake the stiffness out of you. Secondly, the Bible teaches us that sexual desires can be dangerous to ourselves and to others. Therefore, it can't just be just another physical thing I do. You go and tell someone who's been sexually abused that, oh man, it's almost like riding a bicycle that you fell off, you got up and just keep going. Why people that have suffered sexual abuse it it just continues 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, the effect is still there. Because sex goes deeper. Sex is not just physical, it's emotional, it's spiritual. Think before you do. Because the consequences aren't stuck in that that bedroom. Why do you think people struggle to get over things that happen to them sexually? Because it's not just physical. It's not like eating a burger. If you had a bad one, come puke it out and come back and eat another one. It's not, because there's something deeper to it. The Bible teaches us also that sex is not primarily something that was ever supposed to become your identity or become something that fulfills you. We live in a world where your where sexuality currently is celebrated as identity. I don't. I'm not participating in homosexual activity. I am in homosexual. Can you see how that's shifted? can I tell you something? That there is so much more to you than just your sexuality. God created you wonderfully and fearfully. There's so much more to you. Do not listen to worldviews and people that wanna label you and the only way you can identify is according to who you wanna sleep with. That's a lie. God said you're so much more than that. You are so much more than that. Therefore, your virginity isn't the most important part of who you are. Your soul is. Your spirit is. Do not let people dictate how you should identify yourself. Because that's God's right. Now I can come to God with everything. I can come to the cross and say, Lord, I'm struggling with this. This is in my life. But because you give me identity, I can come to you and I know you'll speak into it. I know you'll breathe over it. Who gives Anyone else to tell you who you should be when God said, I designed you, I created you, I put you together, I've laid out your path. No one else was willing to die for you, so I did. Sexuality was never supposed to become who you are. This kind of debunks the fact that sex is everything. So what is sex then? The Bible says that sex is sacred. Say sacred. Why? Because sex was intended to unite two people in a way that nothing else in this world can. In Genesis 2, we see God saying that two became one flesh. How beautiful is that? How deep is that? Nothing can connect you to another human being in such a profound way than sex. That's why God said, Don't just give yourself sexually away when you cannot give yourself holistically away. That's why marriage exists. Because marriage is the only covenant that's a safe enough space with God as the author for us to exercise and implement this blessing. But even this flesh, like becoming one flesh, what does that mean? Does it mean the two bodies? No. It's so much deeper than that so much deeper than that. Becoming one flesh is a state where you give of your whole self. You give everything of yourself. Through sex, we are to give of our whole selves to the one who we belong to. Scripture clearly says that your husband's body is no longer his and a wife's body is no longer hers. It belongs to each other. That's why if you have multiple sexual partners, you end up belonging to a lot of people. Do you see the danger in that? Tim Keller states it this way and he says, sex is God invented way for you to give yourself to someone else so deeply that it results in personal transformation. How beautiful is that? In, 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 in a society where we're all longing to be connected, to be known, to be accepted, God said, You know what? I've got exactly the answer for that. I designed it. It's called sex. It's a place where someone gets to know you so intimately. Just don't abuse it. Understand how I made it. Imagine being so connected to someone that you can be 100% vulnerable the good, the bad, the ugly, the thick thighs, the bad ankles. And the back here, here I am. You laugh because you're not married. <laughs> married. <laughs> Marriage is the only place that God said it is so safe that you can bring everything about yourself and enter into it. And because God is the model of unconditional love and your spouse has declared that that is the standard I pursue, you can bring everything into it and you will not be rejected. As a result of becoming one flesh, the heart, the mind, and the personhood of your spouse becomes present with you. What do you mean by that? So I'm going to breathe. I'm going to tell a story about the Kruger National Park quickly. Okay. Just to lift up the mood. So if I go to the Kruger National Park and I experience something or I see something, something incredible happens. I experience something and in that moment, I know exactly what I'm thinking, what I want to say, and what I will do. But because my wife and I, because Ansha and I have been, coming, have been becoming one flesh for the last four and a half years, in that moment, I know exactly what my wife will say, will think, and do. Instantaneously, it's like her person who is with me, I get to carry her wherever I go. And I guess this is almost where soul ties comes in, if you've heard of that before. It's where you ultimately start carrying around the people who you've become one with. Oftentimes sit with young men and we do counseling and I walk them through sexual purity and they say, I'm married and I love it, but I've got these dreams and these visions and these flashbacks of my past. It's like these people don't want to let me go. How many people do you want to carry around with you, Church? Nothing else, nothing else can unite us in such a way to find intimacy and connection like the blessing of sex. That's why it's supposed to be sacred. You see, what's happened in society, we've swapped the role of money and sex. The Bible says, be generous with your materialistic possessions and money. Bless people. God says, in fact, try me. Try and give my goodness. But the Bible calls us to be so sacred with our sex. Was meant for one person for the rest of your life, friends. Do you know how beautiful that is? That God said, I've got something for you in one person, no one else. But what's modern society do? We've become stingy, we've become stingy with our money and generous with our sexuality. Here I am, boys. <laughs> am I right? Don't talk about my money. It's my money. I worked hard for it. I earned that promotion. Yes, God says be generous because he's a generous God and he has given free to you so freely you should give. Let go. Bless. (laughs) Work hard. Bless more. Say, God, today I gave away a BMW. Next year I want to give away 10 BMWs. But be stingy with your sexuality because it was not meant Sexuality is not something that's supposed to be auctioned off in an Oprah Winfrey show. You get a bit, you get a bit, you get a bit, you get a bit. But yet when I look at the University of Pretoria, that's kind of the theology about sex. How can I share it with as many people as possible? Surely, I, I mean, how do I know what I like? Why don't you trust God with that? He knows what you'll like because he designed it. For those who are unmarried, therefore, it's not just oh, the Bible tells me not to sex. Now, can you see that there's a purposeful, intentional choice to say, "God, I see the rubbish around me, and I choose you." But the problem is, guys, that rubbish will program you to what you want to desire. What I mean by that is, if you consistently eat McDonald's, you will hunger for McDonald's. In this analogy, McDonald's is not a good thing. Don't settle for the garbage or a quick fix. And God said, "I've got something so specific and so unique." And we all want to be unique, right? But yet we all end up doing the same thing. What's unique about that? Now I want to find my way. But yet we do what everyone else in race does. You're not unique. You're a clone. If you're married today, I want you to realize that sex is a covenant renewal ceremony for your marriage. It's a covenant renewal. It's re-emphasizing your desire, your decision, your, your love for this person. Sex renews and revitalizes the marriage covenant. Now, but where is hold on this though? Are you telling me I can only have sex when I'm married? That's so restrictive, you know. I like my freedom. <laughs> I want to do when I want. I want to do who I want, whenever I want. See, the problem is we have no idea what freedom is. I'd actually like, like, uh, if I could actually say it together, but don't. It's fine. But we have no idea what freedom is. We think freedom is having the opportunity or or the or the time to do exactly what you want. Restriction, free. Do you know that's not freedom? Do you know what that is? Chaos? When is a fish at its most free? Believe it or not, not on your plate next to your chips. A fish is at its most freest when it's restricted by water. True freedom is not doing whatever you want. True freedom is finding the right restrictions in your life. The moment a fish climbs out of the water and onto land, what happens? Look at me, guys. I'm doing what I want. Look at me, live my base life now. Dead fish and chips. <laughs> fish and chips. <laughs> Freedom is finding the right restrictions. That's why God said. That's why I've designed sex. And giving you the understanding of what the restrictions. Why? Because I want it to be beautiful and holy. Sex is sacred because it is holy, beautiful, and powerful. Not like what we see on Netflix. So therefore, the staying together thing before marriage. It's interesting. In February this year, I found an article from the Wall Street Journal. So this is a secular. publications, office, or magazine, or whatever. And you can go read, you can find it online from the Wall Street Journal, where it actually says that if you, where people that are delaying marriage, because, hey, marriage is not a cool thing, anymore. Well, who gets married in today? We'll get married when I'm 50 one day, right? Popular trend currently around, around us, yes. No, I'm gonna delay marriage, or we're gonna try this marriage thing first. We're gonna live together. Where Secular Magazine is saying, don't do that, because those decisions lead to more divorces. So finally, the secular world is realizing what the sacred truth has been saying in the last two thousand years: that living together ain't gonna make it because you are scratching something that you weren't supposed to touch. You're knocking on a door that's not yours to open. Now, but ways, I'm a super Christian. I can withstand all temptation. Liar. It's like telling yourself, I'm going to stop eating sweets, I'm not going to eat any sugar anymore, and you move into Krispy Kreme. (laughs) I'm yet to meet someone that's strong enough to withstand that. That's what the Bible says, run away. Don't play with it. I just find this interesting. Secular world says don't do that. The more people who live together before marriage, that results to more divorces. So if you want your statistically if you want your marriage to end in a divorce live together before the time don't be angry at me i don't write the article go and fight with them this is in a secular world in a secular magazine in one of the secular hubs new york city that writes these articles so maybe if you don't want to listen to the sacred truth let's go and look at the secular nonsense and say hey this kind of aligns You know, I need to understand God's heart for sex and marriage and the purpose for it. Yes, it, is, it puts in restrictions so that you can be free, so that you can experience his love and his design and his purpose for it. Yes, Wes, but it's tough. I know, we'll get to that now. Number two. Great sex is something to be passionate about. Now, verse 3 to 6 is actually fascinating. If you just read this and you go through this, guys, just the amount of effort. I mean, when I see the words that he says, like, I mean, we, like, your, your lips are like scarlet thread, your neck, your breasts. Your, I mean, there's just passion to this. Why? Because great sex is passionate. But here's the difference. You say, yes, please, I know. I've been having sex, and it's great. Here's the thing when I read this scripture, would you know what I realize this man is most passionate about? See, his passion for the person outweighs the passion for the deed. That's what's broken in a hookup culture. Sex is lacquer, it's good, it's fun, it's great, God made it. That's why if you if you do it, you're gonna enjoy it. But what I see here, the passion for the person is so much greater because this, he hasn't given himself just sexually to this person. Holistically, he's given himself to this person. Great sex is supposed to be passionate because that's how God designed it. And I'm sick How sick of the narrative that marriage sex is boring. Who's watched a TV show where, right? On Friday night, I was, I was watching a, a, a comedy show and one of the comedians come in and his whole seven minutes was about what a joke marriage sex is about. And how marriages need stuff to spice it up. Guys, has a lot of spice in this scripture. <laughs> we don't need more, thank you. Because when we act according to the design of God, we don't need anything else. How do we become passionate about something? How are how you going to make sure that you are passionate about this person that God has for you? What you are passionate about, you will prioritize. And what you will prioritize, you will become passionate about. If you prioritize this aspect in your life, and you prioritize that whether you're married or not, but Lord, pr- I'm prioritizing a season in my life where I could probably be married. You will become passionate for it. It won't be this, oh, I'm missing out so much. No, what I'm gonna gain is so much greater than what I'm missing. If you're married today, what's your priority? Your job? Your business meetings? Your calendars, your social events, your hobbies? Or is it your spouse? Because you cannot have a passionate sex life if you're not passionate about your spouse. Are you guys still there? How do we awaken? How do we become passionate? See, God's standard for sex. You see, modern culture teaches us that sex is what you get out of it, as long as you've got your fix. I mean, you can go watch any comedy drama on Netflix today, and you'll, and it's like this, people are running around with a desire, I've got this thing that needs, it's like, a, I've got an itch, I need to scratch it. It's self-centered and self-absorbed when the scriptures clearly teach us that sex is about giving. It's about giving to your spouse. It's not about you getting your, your reward. It's about giving. That's what makes the difference between God's understanding or God's version of sex and modern day sex. It's not about you getting your fix and trying to find whoever you can who's willing to do it. So now we drop our standards, we drop our morals, we drop our convictions, because the world says, I've got an itch and I need to scratch it. Sex is about giving. And you know what the problem is? And here's why. One of the greatest dangers of masturbation is exactly this. See, masturbation will teach you that sex isn't something I give, sex is something I receive. That you are receiving sexual pleasure at the expense of someone who never granted you and said, yes, that's fine. In other words, you're abusing someone to pleasure yourself. They never said it's okay. See, masturbation programs your mind that sex is only about my needs, my desires, and the way I like it. And then the problem is now you've masturbation, you've been caught in it for five years, six years, you're hooked, and now you get married, and those first three months are awesome because sex! And then, slowly but surely, you go back to what you used to. It's like, oh, but this is hard work. I'm giving too much. I don't like it like that. And then we go back to the way you've taught your brain what sex is. It's one of the massive, massive problems with masturbation. And get this, I want to tell you now, getting married does not solve your masturbation addiction. Unmarried people, don't wait for marriage to be the silver bullet that will solve that. Deal with it. We're going to get to that later tonight. But maybe you're saying, hollow ways, there's a masturbation word, that's a big word. But it's not a sin, is it? Well, the f- oh, it depends who you ask, Right. Let's look at the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 18 says, flee from sexual immorality. Say flee. flee. Say from. from. Say from. No, not really. Say flee, flee. From. from sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. Oh, that's a big word. Wes. Yes, so therefore we have to understand sexual immorality in, in its original context is the word porneia. And get this, porneia makes it very easy for us to figure out what is sin and what is not, what is wrong and what is not. Purnaya means any sexual activity outside the covenant of marriage. Any sexual activity. So scripture is saying, run away. Run away from anything that is any sexual activity that's outside marriage. Now, if you're not married, that means everything. Therefore, masturbation, are you married to yourself? No. That would be weird. You would never make a decision in your life. Do you know what flea is? Have you ever given a dog a stern word when it tried to eat something off the table? And you say, yeah. Or don't. What does the dog do? It tucks its tails in between its legs and it bails. That's flea. It's one place where scripture says you cannot withstand it. Run away. Stop trying to be proud. Stop trying to be this superstar Christian. No, look at me. I know exactly when to pause that movie. And fast forward, I don't see the scenes. Where's? You've got the power of pause. No worries, I watched the whole Game of Thrones and never saw anyone naked. <laughs> be careful for pride. And maybe you live in a, currently there's so much pressure for you to fit in and to be accepted by your peers and by your friends and therefore you engage in these things. Can I tell you now that being accepted by Jesus outweighs the exceptions in any place by any person. You would know that you've experienced this acceptance where he says, you're my beloved son. To be in with Jesus is better than to be in with the world. It's good that you guys hear here at the age where you are right now. Your school might put pressure on you, your friends at school, it's better that Jesus that you're accepted by Jesus and rejected by your school. Great sex is something you and I can be passionate about. Therefore, we can look forward to it. When I look at this, it's like, man, it's like, this is awesome, this is deep, this is real, this is pure, this is clean, this is holy. This is so much different than 50 shades of gray where it's dirty, it's perversion, it's control, manipulation, and lust. This leads me to my third point. Great sex is something to fight for. Now, verse 15, just love this analogy. Verse 15 and 16, the writer paints, kind of uses an analogy of a garden. How beautiful is that? Now, the thing about a garden, some of you don't know because you've never picked up a fork in your life, but you will get married one day and all of a sudden stuff at Mr. Price Home excites you more than what video games do. And um, Right? Who's there? Alhart? Like finding... Finding the the ideal gravy boat has all of a sudden become this massive desire in our lives. It's like finding the best pillow that goes on, like, you know those little pillows? As a teenager, it's like there was no. Why? I don't sleep on these things. Now, Anshin and I go from shop to shop looking for tiny pillows. And I love it. I love it. I do. It's awesome. So the writer uses, he kind of sets the scene of a garden. And here's the thing with a garden. A garden is fragile. See, if you give it too much water, you drown the plants. If you don't give it enough water, the plants dehydrate. If the sun shines too much, the plants burn. If the sun doesn't burn, if it, then it's cold, then it freezes. If you let weeds come up, it will take over everything. If you put too much manure on, it will stink for the rest of the year. So, garden is this fragile place, and he says, This is what sex is. If you are married today, what are you doing to make sure you're fighting for your garden? Most people who garden will tell you don't wait until termites have eaten everything to do something about it. Act when you see one or two. If you're married today, what are you doing to fight for your garden? One of the best ways that you and I can fight for great sex because great sex ultimately is built on trust. Trust and trustworthiness. And this goes against what we see in modern day romance. We if someone just gives me attention, I'll give them my body. If the girl just, if just looks like she likes me, I'm hers. Oh, if you just ask me for that denier, I'm his. And I will open more than just my heart to show him that. Great sex is built on trust and trustworthiness. I'm just going to take a moment. I'm going to speak to just the married people here today. How are you building trust in your marriage? And if you're not married, take notes. What I love about verse seven in this chapter, could you put verse seven back on the board? Thanks. Verse seven says, you are altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. Was ever said that? Have you said that about your past recently? It's like you're saying, nah, not my wife. <laughs> not my husband. He snores. <laughs> we live such in such a criticism and critique culture that we are missing. Did you know if you're married today, the Five years ago, you prayed for this person. This person that you went to God for, asked him, God, send me someone who will make me like you. Then God did and now he's not necessarily ticking all your boxes or she's not necessarily ticking all your boxes. Well, that's a plan because God put this person in your life to make you more like him. But what this man's doing, he's reassuring this woman about her beauty and her value in his life. There's, how do we build trust? We bring reassurance to our marriages. And the primary places we do this is, number one, we reassure women on what they look like and who they are in our lives. And number two, we reassure men on performance. You see, because men, women, first let me start there, women and generalization, but most women have a deep desire to be desired. Like if he if he would choose again today, would he choose me? Am I? Do I still stand out from the crowd? Am I right, girls? Like this? Like will you still desire me when my face ain't this anymore? When that skirt that we that I wore on our first date don't fit me no more? This man goes and he brings reassurance. If you're looking for someone, find someone who brings reassurance in your life. This person reassures you about your faith, reassures you about your mission, reassures you about who Jesus is, reassures you about who you are. Women have this desire to be desired. Men, we would do well to bring reassurance every day and build trust in our marriages. Men, on the other hand, have a deep need to be needed. Like if you want to cut a man's legs under his legs, don't need him anymore. And specifically when it comes to f- the physical act of love. See, when, when men are overrejected and rejected and rejected physically, it's an emotional hurt that forms. And guys, this, these, these are good. God designed us this way. It's good. It's not wrong. It's okay. You may need to be needed. You may, you may, be, you may desire to be desired. But the problem is when, when there's physical rejection for men, it becomes emotional. It's like when your husband comes home and never greets you, he's just silent. Married, married people with women, how does that feel? That sucks, right? Like, why won't you talk to me? I wonder what's wrong. It was something I said. <laughs> Same impact that is felt with men when they're rejected. It'd be good to remember this and re- bring reassurance about this over, over, and over. Women, reassure your men, reassure your husband. I'd rather put it that way. Reassure your husband that you need him sexually, but in multiple aspects of your life. Now what breaks trust? What takes away trust? What makes it very difficult to us, for us to build trust? If, you wanna, if you're single today and you're not married yet and you, this is something that you desire, do you know how you can build trust? Just choose God's design. Abstain. Flee from sexual humanity. See, do you know what porn does? The dangers of porn. porn. Porn teaches you to be aroused by something that doesn't exist. What, what happens in porn magazines, on your phone and on movies is it's not real people, it's not real life. Because those things have been so doctored, so orchestrated, so photoshopped, so manipulated, the best lighting, whatever you can get. That porn is teaching you to desire something that doesn't exist. Now you wonder why you're struggling to find someone. Ways, well, I want this girl and man, it must when I look at her, it must just be gazelle fawns. No, not fawns, but it's proper gazelles. Welcome to the real world. It's causing you to desire something, and we see this everywhere on the series of Netflixes that we watch, music we listen to. Do you know what? Do you know what the scheme of those people are? Within the th- first three episodes, whether it's heavy, violent, or very sexual, they will do the most horrible things within the first three episodes of any show. Why? Because then the shock factor is over. They want you to say, "Yeah, but where season two is better than season one?" It's not. You've just been shocked with the worst. You've been exposed to the worst. I mean, it's scary to think what Hollywood did is, okay, all right, so I'm scared people catch on on this porn thing, so let's make, let's add good storylines and good actors and proper budgets, then we put things on Mnet. <laughs> Just because it's got a good storyline doesn't mean it's right. Just because the actors are famous doesn't mean it's right. Some series that, that you're currently watching Take away the budget and you've got a—you've pretty much got a porno. But the power of pause is, I've got it. I can skip those scenes. No, you can't. Do you know what you're doing? You're creating anticipation in your heart. You're opening up a, a... I'm warning you. And the problem is, the more people you need to arouse you before marriage, don't be surprised if in five years after being married, you're frustrated. Because it took 30 men or 30 women to satisfy your sexual desire before you got married. And now when you got married, do you think one person's gonna suffice? It won't. Why do you think so many, why do you think there's affairs and stuff like that? Because it's based on the things that we watch. It's time we allow the Holy Spirit into our entertainment sector and say, Lord, teach us. A few years ago, Anjana and I we started watching a series. We were like looking for a cool series to watch, and there was a series and it was really cool. Like, uh, I mean, just really cool. But after three episodes, I just felt something in my in my spirit just bounce, and I said, Listen, this isn't good. The, the amount of violence in it was just too violent. Like people were, you know, in you know fight scenes, but then you get like fight scenes, like when they. And murder scenes and it's like shooting and it's guts and blood and everywhere. And I was like thinking, man, I don't want this in my house. And it sucks because, yes, there was some, I enjoyed the, there's a cool concept to the story. But yet again, my heart does not belong to Hollywood. My heart belongs to the Holy One. He decides, he's part of this. When Jesus is Lord over my life, it means he steps into what I watch. One of the most dangerous things that you can believe tonight, or one of the most dangerous things that, you, that can happen in your life is getting away with something just once or just allowing a little bit just once. Why? Because you've shifted the boundary. You've already opened the door. I, I got away that first time. See, we say things like, it happened only once. It was just one, one drink, one girl. It won't harm We we didn't even propagate our clothes off. It was just one sex scene. It was just one episode. It was just a little bit of cleavage. See, the problem is that once, that little bit, getting away with it and sinking, you're invincible. What are you fighting for? See, the thing is when you garden... Weeds don't come, don't start in the thousands, okay? It starts with one weed. Do you know what most people who have gardens do, aka okay, myself? Oh, it's just one. Look at my garden, one little weed. I'm gonna, I'll get to you later. Then you come back after December holiday and you realize you're living in a bush <laughs> because the weeds have taken over. Just that one. I knew I needed to deal with it. I should have removed it right then, there. When I had the numbers advantage. What weed are you allowing in your life right now? And you think it's just this one thing. It's just this one Instagram profile. It's it's only when I'm alone. What's that one weed you're currently allowing? Guys, there's no such thing as personal sin. Sin affects us. Most scholars believe the biggest thing that is preventing the next revival pour out or the next, the instigation of repentance for a revival that God wants to move in in our earth is sex within the church. It's living lives of being unrepentant and thinking, but it was only once. It's just this one thing. It's just this relationship. Me and my boyfriend, the previous one, we didn't do it, but me, it's only this boyfriend. It's my first time with. There's no such thing as personal sin. Our sin affects each other and the world. You know, a hundred years ago, people, if they knew what we we're allowing in today's modern society with regards to sexuality, they will be shocked. Most scholars believe that once most of, this, of the gender dysphoria and the redefinition, and you can be 60 years old, you can make yourself a black person, you can make yourself a white person, you are the redefinition of who you are. Do you know what most scholars believe will be the next thing that will be allowed in our society? pedophilia because here's the thing sin becomes darker and darker and darker sin becomes more evil and more evil and more evil it doesn't stay with one weed it becomes two then it becomes 20 then it becomes 40 then it becomes 50 and 100 that's the thing with porn What satisfies you maybe this week in a month's time no I need something give me a I need more Vooma. So now you go further and further. Most pedophiles, where did it start? They didn't just start feeling attracted to kids. How did it started? An addiction to porn, and that crave just grew because this isn't doing it anymore. This isn't doing it anymore. This isn't doing it anymore. Ooh, this is new. Ooh, this is wrong, but this is new. What are you? How are we fighting for this, friends? Are you fighting for this garden? Are you fighting? Lord, be with me, strengthen me, protect me. I'm choosing your design, your beauty, your gift. Fight for it. It matters what you do on Instagram. It matters what you do in your relationship. It matters what you do in your marriage. Are you fighting for this in your marriage, or you allowing things, creepy crawlies, just to come in? Matt, would you mind joining me on stage? Just on the keys. Guys, I just sensed that we needed to park this thing properly. We needed to come, park, and sit it down and unpack and look at this. I've said a few things tonight, and I know a lot of this causes a lot of emotion. you might be sitting and you realize I'm failing at all these things and you're feeling guilty, you're feeling confused, you're feeling shameful, you're feeling even angry, angry at me, angry at the world, angry at God and angry at yourself. You might be sitting and you say, but I've messed up so bad. My past is littered. Maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're married and, and you realize that you've drifted from your spouse and it's actually... This drift has caused such a divide that you guys don't even talk about it anymore. You're just trying to figure out how we're gonna live with this. Maybe you're sitting here tonight and you are locked in sexual sin at this moment. You're hooked on porn, you're addicted to masturbation and you've stepped into a world of homosexual actions. You just can't get free. These chains are weighing you down. Maybe you're sitting here today and you say, there's everything but God in my sexual life. You're confused, you're afraid, you're hurt. You feel bitter, you feel dirty, you feel vulnerable. I believe there's opportunity for everyone tonight. If you've been hurt by someone sexually, tonight I just want to say that I believe God's going to give you opportunity to forgive them. Don't let that bitterness take root in your heart and destroy your joy for the rest of your life. You're going to have a chance to forgive tonight. Some of you are carrying the weight of past sins. Where you are right now, you're kind of okay. But what you've done in the past, it's so heavy. It's so heavy. I believe God is saying tonight, receive forgiveness. Receive my freedom. Some of you are intentionally, willfully living in sin tonight. You know what's right. You know God's heart for you, but you still choose to sin. Tonight is a repentance moment for you, where you can come before Jesus and say sorry. There's a story in the Bible about a father, two sons. One of the sons said, "Give me my inheritance and leave." So actually, what he's saying to his father is, "I want you to die so that I can get my money." So the dad gives him the money and he runs away, and he destroys his life. He ends up having to crash in a pigsty. And he realizes, wait a minute, even the workers on my dad's farm are treated better than where I am now. Maybe you're there and you realize where I am, I'm just like, I can't be here anymore. Do you know what the beautiful thing is? The father, God isn't waiting for you so that he can slap you on your wrist and say, what did you do? Do you know what the father does? Every day, he goes and looks over the mountain and looks, is my daughter or my son coming home? And when that son started returning back to his father, his father ran to him and gave him a new robe and new clothes. And he gave him a ring and he gave him sandals. Why? Because God just doesn't want to fix you. He wants to make you new. He wants to restore everything. He wants to make you new. Some of you are so trapped in sin. The addiction is so strong and has been so permanent in your life. Today's the opportunity for you to get Help. That's what spiritual families for. That's what we do in our connect groups. That's what that's why we have a counseling ministry is to get help. Don't let pride say, no ways I can do this by myself. No, you can't. That's why you're still stuck. The good news is that there is no sin great enough that Jesus' love cannot cover. No, but ways, what about this? There is no sin greater than the love of God. There is nothing in your life that you've done or that you're busy currently doing or planning to do that Jesus says, I am greater than that. Because Jesus is alive, you and I have hope. Because Jesus is in the room, your marriage is hope. Your future marriage is hope. Where's but I've messed up? Because Jesus is in this room, there is hope for your future marriage, that there's purity waiting. You and I have a decision to make. Are we going to pursue Jesus with everything in our lives, including our sexuality, or are we going to just settle for mediocrity and struggle with the rest? Jesus says, trust me. I've demonstrated how much I care for you. I died for you so that you can know what truth is, so that you can know what love is, so that you can have purpose. No one else was willing to die for you, but I am. Jesus, thank you for that. Therefore, I can trust you with these struggles in my sexuality. There is no bondage, no addiction to great that Jesus can't set you free. There is no hurt that you're facing right now that Jesus cannot heal. Jesus is the Son of God, and He is present here tonight. I want everyone just to close their eyes. how if you've been a christian for 20 years 20 minutes or you're not even one this isn't a time for you to be prideful <laughs> this is a time for you to see what the Holy spirit wants to do in your life i'm not going to mention specific things and that you raise your hand you know you need encounter with jesus today either you need to forgive or you need his forgiveness you need his changing power in your life you need freedom you need change to be broken we serve a god who breaks change He doesn't just mend it or soften it. He breaks chains. Jesus can change your destiny in five seconds. All he needs is a willing heart. So anything I've said tonight just resonates and you know your heart is pumping. You know you can feel that you need to respond, whether it's you're feeling hurt or lonely, whether you are feeling dirty and shameful, whether you're caught up in sin or you are causing sin in someone else's life. I want you to raise your hand because I want to know who I'm going to pray with tonight just nice and high. just keep it a bit high I just want to see who I'm praying with guys there's no shame everyone's eyes are closed don't worry could you open your eyes and look at me those of you raise your hand. sorry the rest of you just keep your eyes closed there is hope because Jesus is alive there's a future because Jesus is alive and his voice will drown out everything else in your So I'm going to pray, and and maybe even if you didn't raise your hand right now, but you know you need this prayer, just put your hand on your heart. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight, and we desire change from you. We desire an encounter with you, Lord. We see your design. We see your plan. We see your perfect will for our lives, and tonight we choose it. Lord, for everyone who's raised their hands, I pray that you'll meet them where they are right now. Those that are stuck in bondage, Lord, I pray that you'll breathe freedom over them you'll break the chains of slavery that sin is causing in their lives Lord maybe we've got a wrong understanding about sexes and therefore it's led us to many different things Lord I thank you that you're rewiring and reprogramming that you're setting people free from porn addictions that you're setting people free of masturbation you're setting people free of even contemplating an affair even when I maybe read these words your spouse didn't come to mind someone else did See, when the question is, who's captured your heart? If it's not Jesus, it should be your spouse, no one else. Father, but I pray for a purity to arise in your bride. I pray that we will be a pure bride so that we can be ready for your uproaring of your spirit, that you'll move in us, Lord, that you'll move around us, Lord, that the way we date, the way we are married, the way we see sex, the way we envision this in our lives is different, Lord, because we don't belong to ourselves, we belong to you. And I pray for boldness and courage to walk this out, Lord. I pray for those that are desperately in need of help, Lord, that you'll give them the courage and the boldness to walk through, that they'll push through shame, that they'll push through pride, and they'll get to help, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for every one of us so that we can be free from the possession of sin.